college, I was very close with a professor named Jordan Peterson, who okay. we've talked about, who's yeah. quite controversial. Yeah. We have yeah. plenty of disagreements yeah. about plenty of topics, yeah. both privately and publicly. Wow. It's been immensely fruitful relationship for me. Wow. I don't I don't like having people having a community where everybody is like-minded, where I agree with them. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. learned so much more from people often who I disagree with. Right, right, right. And he's more, much more conservative than I am, especially yeah. um, lately, or, or, you know, since the time of education. He I taught, see. he basically Welcome to the Whole Student Podcast with Cal Balavan. Whole Student refers to the magical moment when a student is fully seen, heard, and known. This is the spark of a relationship between student and teacher where the former is catalyzed on a journey beyond what they thought possible, and the latter is a proud advisor cheering from the sidelines. The whole student podcast asks guests to reflect back to their moment, to the person who became a transformative teacher in their lives, and on the journey they were set upon. Our guest today is Greg Hurwitz. Greg is a New York Times number one internationally best-selling author of 23 thrillers, including the Orphan X series. His novels have won numerous literary awards and have been published in 33 languages. Greg currently serves as the co-president of the International Thriller Writers. Additionally, he's written screenplays and television scripts for networks, comics for AWA, DC and Marvel, poetry, political and culture pieces for the Wall Street Journal, The Guardian, The Bulwark, and others. It is my pleasure to introduce my brother from another mother, <laughs> Greg Hurwitz. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. It's good yeah. being here with you. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. Uh, my first question, the question I ask all guests, is set the stage. Who were you as a student? Hmm. So I started, I went kicking and screaming mm. to a Jesuit high school. Mm. I was from a family of uh, secular Jewish uh, okay. background. Whew. Didn't know much about religion. I okay. went to a high school with 1,200 boys called Bellarmine College yeah, Prep in right. San Jose, yeah. which you know well. I know well. I was not only did I not know a single person, I was the smallest kid mm. at the entire school. Really? Five foot two, about <laughs> 97 pounds. Wow. Going off with my little backpack, kicking and screaming. All boys school That's too. Right. Did not want to go. Mm. Um, and when I got there, the ethics of that school and of the teachers mm -hmm. and the grounding in that. Mm -hmm was so spectacular. It won me over despite all my best efforts. Wow. So by the end of my freshman year, I loved that school. It's one of the most formative experiences mm. of my life. Incredible teachers. Wow. Um, the the logo for Bellarmine is to be a man for others. Wow. Everything was about service. Wow. And the classes were not about um, grades mm. and hitting marks. Mm -hmm. And you know, figuring out what things you need to know for the test. Right, right. Every teacher taught from a position of the excitement, the curiosity of what the topic was. Okay. Um, and so when I went in there, I just I basically fell in love again mm -hmm. in a lot of ways with mm -hmm. learning. I'd always loved uh, reading. I wasn't allowed to watch TV growing up okay. unless it was a Giants game on TV <laughs> or okay. Alfred Hitchcock uh, okay. movie. And so I read all the time. That and explains I just, a lot, by the way. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. Explains most of my personality. Wow. And so, you know, these teachers were just kind of opening up the world to me. Wow. And um, amazing English department. I was obsessed yeah. with English. I wanted to be a writer from the time I was as far back as I can remember. Wow. And so I just, I fell kind of head over heels into it. I loved it. We were mm. big um, sports powerhouse too. That's right. 
I remember. Um, I took that on. They yeah. talked a lot about the ethic of you know being a teammate. Mm -hmm. It was the most important thing. That's right. We had the story that they told that stuck with me all the time was we had one um, swimmer who won a couple silver medals in the Olympic once, mm -hmm. and the story they told about him every time was when he won the state championship for Bellarmine. Yeah. That instead of staying down there uh -huh. to do the ceremony and the party, yeah. he drove back up north because wow. to San Jose wow. because he had a shift due at the soup kitchen. We did community service all four years. And that's what you did. That to was the ethic. Yeah. Wasn't the winning. It was like you come back and you do right by everybody. Wow. That's awesome. It was, it was a big part of it for me. So you said kicking and screaming. So was that the folks? That was the folks. Okay. And and why? Why that school? You know, so my the high school I was gonna go to was in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. The high school was not, it was not terribly diverse, mm. uh, either ethnically or financially. Mm. It was, it wasn't, I mean, by today's standards in Silicon Valley, right, it wasn't right, right. crazy rich, Right, right. but it was, it was more, it was tilting more that way. Public Everyone, school? A public school. Oh, got it. Everyone kind of got a new Mustang, you know, when they were 16, <laughs> it was that kind of vibe. Okay. My parents were like, I want, they wanted to send me somewhere that was about academics. Wow. They wanted to send me something where there was more of a mix of different students. Right. Bellarmine uh, is the most... I think ethnically diverse high school in California. Wow, I believe it. It draws from all over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it also had a different orientation towards academics and towards sports. Wow. Um, but I wanted to be with you know the people who I knew. I wanted to go to a quiet school. I didn't know what was this Jesuit thing yeah. from my background. Yeah. I didn't want to go to all boys school. Yeah. And I went in. I learned so much about when an institution. Yeah instills in you a set of ethics that are different yeah. how you orient towards knowledge and learning right wow. there's a lot of respect given but there's a lot of freedom too and there's mm -hmm. a wonderful blend of of conservative by that i mean lowercase c mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. liberal lowercase yeah, yeah, yeah. l makes right because if you're if you're lowercase conservative and lowercase liberal you're close enough to shake hands across the aisle That's right? right and so there was all the kind of um foundation um and traditions of the catholic church yeah. but the jesuits are very liberal okay right and their catholics are wonderful educators yeah and so it was a wonderful experience for me to go into a new yeah. place where yeah. none of this made sense right so, um, and i was really embraced by that community wow. um in a way that was you know everything was geared around um it was a perfect setting in some ways for liberal arts education yeah, amazing which i still think is the greatest American invention. The scrawny, secular Jewish kid yeah. at the Jesuit school. Um, was it there or earlier that you felt in your educational career that someone really saw, someone really heard, someone really got to know you as an educator hmm. when you were a student in the classroom? It was there in a different way. Okay. They had a, that English department uh -huh. was amazing. Okay. Uh, my senior year, I, w I think I was the only person in my college. I never took calculus. I took six semesters of English my senior year of high school. Wow. So the offerings there, and that's where I found my place and the teachers. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, I took a Dante seminar. I took Dostoevsky, Joyce Faulkner. Wow. And then I took kind of senior year honors. Then, then a, um, I think a poetry class that was both semesters. Mm. But there was a teacher, Tom Alessandri, who was freshman year. He was like that magical teacher. Okay. And we went in and he we went through stuff. He taught science fiction. He taught Faulkner. Okay. And when he went in, he was so electric and he was so engaging mm -hmm. that it was just being drawn into that and treating us like, um, huh. go ahead. No, how did you know that he saw you? Hmm. The way that he talked about, I mean, literature for me is 
is so much yeah. story and narrative, right? Okay. I mean, I basically live my life creating story and yeah. narrative. And the way that he would talk about that mm -hmm. and the way that he would engage with me around that mm -hmm. and with, with the classroom, a lot of people felt that way, but mm -hmm. I was very close with him and we remained friends up until he passed away some years wow, ago. Wow, wow. And he would talk about it in a way, he never talked down to us uh, as students. He never talked down. It was like as, as far as we could go, he had colorful language. Wow. Um, he wasn't afraid. He was passionate. He mm. was rambunctious. Yeah. And he would go wherever you wanted to lead the conversation, mm. meaning he didn't have um, limits where he would start talking to you like you were a student. It was like when he was engaged with you, he was he would treat me like a young scholar, right? Or a young wow. writer who was interested in this material. And of course, he knew infinitely more about it. Wow. But the engagement was wherever you want to go, mm -hmm. I can I can walk there with you. Wow. And that was a, that was an amazing wow. feeling. I love the fact that you stayed in touch with him, mm. and he celebrated your your journey as a writer. Yeah. He wow. Did. Wow. Yeah, I got to send him a copy of my first book when it was published. Oh my god. Right. And and uh, so that's your first English teacher at Bellarmine Prep. Yeah. Uh, was there any teacher before your time there that you remember that felt like they saw you? Hmm. I had I had some really good teachers in elementary school mm -hmm. who were very um, kind mm -hmm. and compassionate and structured and created a really good environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't feel that sense that it was an individual connection. I see. In that way. I see. Right. So I mean, I I I, mm. I liked them. I felt shepherded. I felt taken care of. Okay. But I think that was something for me. So much of it was the kind of um, horsepower I wanted to bring to storytelling and narrative right, and right, that was right, the part right. for me I, it just felt like it lit me it lit me on fire in a different way okay. when i was there okay. that i could kind of move at whatever speed i wanted to okay. and that could be accommodated and he could always be a step ahead okay 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 so your ninth grade experience is set apart you got this electric teacher mm. the classroom is energetic and you're, you're coming alive as a writer and you continue your journey you talk about the english department mm. um are there others and who are they? In that department? Yeah. I had a teacher named Bill Healy who taught me okay. American Lit and Jim Harville also passed away a few years ago wow. who taught, uh, he was English, the English side of literature. Okay. So that was Shakespeare. Damn. I remember specific lectures still. Wow. From those gentlemen. I mean, I remember, you know, reading first time through Great Gatsby, which is a book I read every few years, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I remember my first time through through Faulkner with Tom Alessandri, wow. Light in August, right? Um, wow. Sound and the Fury. I remember Harville, Jim Harville taught uh, Joyce. We read Ulysses in high school. Wow. We went through chapter by chapter. We had a course that took us all the way from kind of the Beowulf and all the way forward and through, right? Uh, is it a regular class or honors class? Honors class. Honors class. Okay. Yeah. How, how many students? Mm, 25. 25 kids. And, and you're physically small. In stature, right? <laughs> I finally grew a bit. Okay. I went out for, for the, it was so funny because I got cut from football, of course. I was a soccer player all growing okay, up. I okay. didn't play again until grad school, okay. but I went out for track because you couldn't get cut. Okay. And I went out for the pole vault just because it was yeah. the most like <laughs> dangerous, daring yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. I could think to do. And I was so terrible freshman year, I couldn't even bend the pole. Wow. So I just did these drills and it was kind of like, it was like one of those Charles Atlas things in yeah, comics yeah, 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 where yeah, yeah. like, you'll never be good. You should just quit. And I came back. <laughs> Came back, came back, and I just worked at it because I was like, the one thing I know I can control on my end yeah. is discipline and hard work. And eventually, I grew. You and grew up. Okay. 
and, you know, got into it. And we had amazing team, you know, junior year, we were second in state, fifth in the nation. Mm. Our two team captains were roommates together in the Olympics yeah, yeah, yeah. and the hammer and the discus. Yeah. And um, we were a really strong team. I mean, by senior year, I was yeah. jumping national and I jumped wow. to college. Wow, wow, wow. And so that was another track. And we forget sometimes with sports, and I think this is such a thing with, you know, with the Greeks of sound of body and sound of mind. We forget the importance mm -hmm. and the ethic and the teachings of all these different yeah. disciplines, right? How they intersect, yeah. And so, you know, in my mm. Orphan X books, yeah. uh, my, my main character is an assassin and he lives by like the 10 assassin's commandments. And the mm -hmm. second one is how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And that was a big part of that sort of, um, it was a perfectionism that mm -hmm. was inculcated. Perfectionism is the wrong word. It was the standards of excellence that were inculcated in me yeah. in that school but always to have your eye on community and yeah. always have your eye on others. So right. it wasn't to your own betterment, right, but right, you right. should do the best you could. Interesting. And that track ran in sports for me. And wow. then it ran in classes yeah. and in academia. And then it ran on the spiritual side, right? Went to mass. I didn't understand wow. it. I didn't get it. I was very young in that mm -hmm. regard, yeah. in that part of my life. Wow. But that sort of treating of the whole person, right? Really prepared me to go off and then have a, a liberal arts education as an undergrad, yeah. which I think is... Wow. It's essential. And I think a lot of people don't even understand what liberal arts education is for yeah. and what it's supposed to do. Right, right. And that was really the training grounds. Wow. And, you know, strong a body, strong a mind, strong a spirit. Yeah. Wow. So one of the questions I ask folks on this uh, podcast is, if I had a magic wand and I waved it and I said, I, you can bring five of your life's teachers, dead or alive, to a dinner, um, who would you pick? Oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I think I got, I got the ones from high school would be Tom Alessandri and Jim Harville, who, okay. who are no longer with us. Okay. And in college, I was very close with a professor named Jordan Peterson, who we've okay. talked about, who's quite yeah. controversial. Yeah, we have yeah. plenty of disagreements yeah. about plenty of topics, yeah. both privately and publicly. Wow. It's been immensely fruitful relationship for me. Wow. I don't, I don't like having people having a community where everybody is like-minded, where I agree with them. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I yeah. learned so much more from people often who I disagree with. Right, right, right. And he's more, much more conservative than I am, especially yeah. um, lately or, or, you know, since the time of education. He, taught, he basically was teaching me psychology. I took a personality mm. psychology class. I took a Jung seminar, Carl oh, wow. Jung, yeah. you know, Freud's disciple, basically only was writing about narrative. Right, right, right. Right, whether it's myth, archetypal right. narrative. Even when he wrote about alchemy, right? It's what are the structures in alchemy? The process mm. of taking base yeah, yeah, matter yeah, 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 yeah. and turning it to gold is the same as the educational process. It's the same wow. as the process of psychological development, yeah. right? It's the process of spiritual development. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so that young kind of opened my eyes and he was my mm. thesis advisor as well. Wow. Um, I took undergraduate though. I didn't have a, a close personal relationship with her from, uh, a woman named Helen Vendler, okay. who was a university professor. She taught English 10A and 10B okay. and she was, uh, encyclopedic and wow. just dazzlingly brilliant. Wow. Um, she, we'd be reading a Sydney sonnet and she'd talk about how stained glass windows were made in that era. She wow. could talk physics. She could talk anything. She was just an extraordinary, wow. um, you know, pyrotechnic intellectual <laughs> talent. Well, the latter two, you've stayed in touch with them? Um, Jordan, I have. Jordan, uh, yeah, Dr. Not. Vendler, I have not. Okay, got it. I have okay, not. Okay. Um, but that was, it was seminal because English 10A and 10B is where you read the whole Norton's anthology, okay. right? And you go all the way through. Okay. And so I felt like I had the benefit of her 
perspective through this, you know, this scattered but fairly solid tradition of English literature. And I would not have been ready for that class. I took it as a freshman, Hmm. which she discouraged. She discouraged anyone taking it who was a freshman or was not an English major. Um, Hmm. And so, you know, that would be my... It's interesting you stayed in connected with Jordan and she had, you brought her to the table. And if you knew that she was following your work, you know, what kind of impact would that have on you? Mm. You know, mm. it's interesting. It'd be interesting. I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's a difference between, you know, there's some people are teachers who yeah. mean everything to you and it's not, it's not personal. It's that you're, they're talking your language. It's like they're reading your mail, right? Right. And they pick you up and they carry you through a period and right, drop right. you off and they may not, may not even know they're doing it. Wow. You know, it's like, you I know, like I have that. thinkers like that who, I mean, Faulkner, was enormously meaningful to me, wow. right? I did a master's in Shakespearean tragedy, right? Yeah. Like sometimes it's thinkers, sometimes it's teachers that you come into contact okay. with and they're, it's just so resonant, hmm. you know? And then other times you can develop a relationship and for yeah. a while you're, it's like a mentor protege relationship yeah. and then it can evolve into a friendship or, you know, so it's, it's always interesting um, the ways that we get and seek community because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's all sorts of different relationships you can have within community. All right, so now you got your fifth seat. Last seat. Hmm. Boy, this is tough. Yeah, be careful. That fifth seat. Be careful. <laughs> People um, always get offended. They're like, oh, you didn't pick me. I took a course, mm-hmm. another course when I was in undergrad, um, and it was Shakespeare. Mm. And it was it was a year-long course going through kind of the whole Shakespearean canon, right, or right, virtually. Right. I think we did maybe 30, 35 of the plays. Wow. And that professor was Marjorie Garber. Hmm. again not in touch with her i knew her i mean I, i'd had yeah. meetings with her her head teaching fellow kind of advised me instrument i was english in psychology so mm-hmm. but she was just incredible and mm-hmm. you went in um you know and she could just illuminate um aspects of the text mm-hmm. bring them to life the lectures mm-hmm. were like these perfectly contained mm. pieces of art right she'd speak almost wow. um in full finished sentences. Mm. Another person like that who I got to know once I was a writer was Christopher Hitchens. Mm. I crossed paths with him a few times. And he was somebody else that when you spoke would speak in perfectly ordered, already constructed, you know, paragraphs that were structured. He was just extraordinary. No words out of place, not moms or ahs, you just, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, You know, but while we're talking teachers, I'll tell you somebody else who had a very big impact on me was um, Steve Pinkston was our Dean of Students. And he was African-American teacher. Yeah. He taught geometry, which was my hardest subject. Wow. Uh, and the thing that was most meaningful to me in his class was he had a, a picture up in the back of the classroom. We had a good amount of, of black students, Hispanic students. Yeah, we had, we had yeah. a pretty prominent black student union. Right, right. Um, and, but you know, it's a, it was a Catholic school. So we yeah, had a lot, yeah. lot of like Irish white kids, right? Yeah, yeah, it was sure, like, sure, it was sure. very mixed. But he'd always point to the back. Do you know who that is? First day of class geometry. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody knew who it was. Yeah. That's Frederick Douglass. Yeah. He said, all you should know Frederick Douglass. Yeah. One of the founding fathers, yeah, that's right? right? That's right. Not officially, but yeah. he should be. Uh, uh, some say the most photographed person in the 1800s. Yeah. 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 And he's, you know, if you all recognize yeah. George Washington, you all recognize Abe Lincoln. That's right. Probably should recognize yeah. Frederick Douglass, that's right. right? And then went on to read that wow. autobiography. And he was, he was, he was amazing. He was, you know, in a school, the school was predominantly white, though we had a we had a a robust black student union. Right, right? right. And so we had parts of that. But he was he was amazing and he was very good at navigating, you know, a lot of the 
as stuff came up, he was very he was very caring and yeah. firm, and he would push. I remember one year a kid showed up, for instance, and wanted to be Jimi Hendrix and showed up in blackface, yeah, and he was okay. like, "Oh, come here for a minute." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're not coming in meaning what that means, yeah, but yeah, let's yeah. set some context here. Wow, wow. But it was it there was a um a care in the community and the teaching. Right. You know? Teachable moments everywhere. Yeah. And I I came, my background is from a I mean, my my mother worked in international adoption. So mm -hmm. I she placed three thousand kids from different countries wow. and families. That was her life's work. Wow. So my background was sort of like explosively uh, diverse and multicultural, wow. right? We just had every which way coming coming through the house. And then yet I lived in Saratoga, which was this right. pretty sheltered, mostly right. white, mostly right. Christian community, right. Right. which is why my parents kind of moved me over to a school that matched more like the community and even even the family structure that well, I Or the service from. component too, right? So service, to serve that's others. right. Yeah. That's right. And that's so awesome. it was very interesting that they kind of picked me up and connected me with a place wow where those things would be nourished. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because everything's what wolf you feed, right? I definitely see a resonance in the stories, right? In relationship mm -hmm. to it. Okay, so season one, we had folks in, we talked about their teachers, uh, and we started to see a pattern forming around women in STEM. Season two, we've been focusing on folks who have a level of entrepreneurship in their life, right? Mm. You're a creative entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? You share your stories, right? And you know, you, you've certainly worked for companies, but you also work for yourself and you, you go out there and uh, your creativity uh, is let loose on the world without, without filter. Uh, who, who was a spark, a catalyst for that? I mean, that's, that's a leap for some people. Hmm. When, who, you know, was there a teacher? Was there someone in your life that you would say, hmm. that was it, that was the moment? So. I didn't know anything about business, mm -hmm. right? Like I remember when I graduated, I went to undergrad. Mm -hmm. All my roommates, I went to kind of, you know, fancy college. All yeah. my roommates were going off med school, yeah, going yeah, yeah. into iBanking, right? Oh, yeah, where they yeah. were making 120000 a year, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like $11 billion, right? <laughs> I mean, and I went to do this master's degree in England in Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah just because I needed a, a very right, practical right. degree to enter the right, job force. Right. Really a stall to try and finish this first novel I was writing. Wow. Um, and I didn't know anything. And I had a, a attorney. I spent the whole summer before my senior year. I wrote this like really bad rough draft of my first novel, Summer Before and After Senior okay. Year. Then I rewrote it, rewrote it, rewrote it. But the whole summer before my senior year, I spent as an unpaid intern to a Hollywood producer mm. in, down in LA. And I worked that whole summer for free to get one read from the director of development for wow. this company. And she read it. And one of the movies that this producer had done was Night Shyamalan's first, really his second movie, but first studio movie that was called Wide Awake. Yeah, okay. And she sent it to Knight's lawyer then. And he read it and liked this and said, I will fly you to New York to meet with me. We'll introduce you to agents. We'll sort of start this career. And I just, I lucked wow. into having this older, um, uh, attorney who represented wow. a lot of kind of young talent. Yeah. To kind of come in and 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 to to make me to make my involvement and passion for this into something that was real. That's amazing. Because if you're not from a creative background, yeah. it's it's hard to try and take yourself real yeah. or seriously. Yeah, yeah. And part of what he did, you talk about one of the themes mm. of this school and this podcast is yeah. when people see you. Yeah. And he could he could see me yeah. and he could say, I will take you seriously. Wow. 
as an attorney and you you can take yourself seriously in this wow. too. And that was a big part of the support. And then as I kind of sold stuff and moved on, I realized I better figure out the business side. Mm -hmm. And for me, it wasn't to get, you know, rich. It yeah. wasn't to do that. If I, when, when that time when I was graduating college yeah. and all my roommates were going off and doing fancy yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. if somebody then had come to me and said, look, I will, we'll give you enough money a month that you can live in a one bedroom studio mm -hmm. and like eat ramen noodles yeah. and you can write the rest of your life, yeah. I would have like signed on the line. Yes, right. And so for me, the business part and the entrepreneurship mm -hmm. grew from me saying, I don't ever want to have to do work I don't love. Wow. And I love this. So when I sold my first book, yeah. which was that that yeah. really bad rough draft that yeah. I rewrote and we figured out, I was like, I better figure out how to invest and how to budget this and yes. how to right, like put myself somewhere wow. and not outpace it. And I went and bought a little Acura Integra. And I was like, I can drive this to 500,000 miles if I never get another deal. Wow. It's not going to break on me. Yeah. And every time I did another deal, yeah. I would look at it as like um, basically gas in the tank oh, wow. for how many more months I could go and be able to write. It was huh. only around kind of creative liberation. And then, of course, you know, as I as I've been I've been fortunate enough to do enough deals, but then you know to start to produce to start mm -hmm. after I wrote for Marvel and DC, I'm on the creative council of a comic book company mm -hmm. that I helped found, yeah. right? And then other projects and ventures started to spin up. Wow. And I felt like if I could have the creativity and to learn mm -hmm. and know the smart kind of supportive people who right. I can trust, because wow. trust is such a huge thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can start to build and structure out these different kinds of ventures. So I've wow. done a lot of entrepreneurial ventures in different spaces, wow. whether it's cultural, political, creative. Wow. And that became a big part of um, ways to impact the world, ways to bring stories to the world differently. Wow. Right. Wow. Uh, that last part, uh, we didn't talk about teachers. Uh, if you had a six seat, is the lawyer on the seat? Mm, you know, is that he the would seat be. Yeah, he would be. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the goal for this year was really to try to inspire people not only to find their teachers, but find those catalysts that you know nowadays feel like the skill set you need is to be an entrepreneur, i.e. to be able to market yourself, to be able to learn new skills, to be able to go out there and be creative and and uh, innovative, right? And all those things have become way more important than the the 440 we used to run, which is go four years in college and 40 years in a career. And now it's like every two years you need to learn a new skill if 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 you get to two years. I mean, it's like a new thing every, every few months almost. Um, and to be able to be a learner in that way. And so, um, the, the serendipity in your story is an interesting mm. moment, right? Uh, yeah. It's interesting too, because all those people, yeah. none of them talked to me about marketing. Wow. None of them talked to me about entrepreneurship or making money or those yeah, things yeah, yeah. until it was time. And I think wow. the thing that we sometimes forget in a world that everybody manages their own brand on social media, right? And mm -hmm. everybody's thinking about representation and money and yeah. IPOs and agents and right, we're in this world that's moving fast. Mm -hmm. But the people who inspire are the people who are who are purely focused on the thing itself. Right, right, right. That's first. Okay. Right. Then you can add. You can add, of course, here's mm -hmm. how you navigate the world. Here's how you function as in a capitalist society, okay, okay. right? Here's how you get power in your hands to continue to do your craft and to continue to build a community and bring other people up, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? In ways that you can help and get different kinds of representation. Oh, yeah. But the thing for me that's in common with, with pretty much anyone who I find inspiring mm -hmm. is that they are the thing that they are doing. It matters mm -hmm. more than anything else. They have an ethic around it, yeah, they have yeah, a code yeah. around it. Huh. Um, and you know, it's very interesting because the people who I tend to be drawn to 
I remember, look, the first time I met you up here, yeah. you know, you're talking about this school. You're talking about a culture that you want to create and have in place. Right. You know, you're yeah. reading The Guest House, one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. poems. Yeah. You're focused on that thing. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you need to build infrastructure around that thing. Right, right. But that's got to be the pilot light. That's yeah. the pilot light that drives everything. That's right. And that draws in like-minded people and you want people you want to focus you know i always i talk about with writers a lot about passion Mm -hmm. you know like one of the things i always did and you know god bless my my parents and my teachers for encouraging this but i always wanted to focus on whatever interested me the most where Mm. am i most curious where is there the most passion okay because if i'm writing about that yeah i can write about that in a way that only I will be able to write about the way that I would because that's right, coming right, from right. a real place. Right, right, Whereas right. if I'm choosing something that's kind of to make money or to chase the market, right, or to try and write something that's commercial, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden I'm competing in a game everybody else is competing in. That's right. And so for any field and any passion, anything that you're doing, I like that. it's like if lead with passion. Lead with passion. All right. Uh, before I, I close, I'm going to go off script a little bit. You know, everyone's probably in the back like, what? You're going to go off script? I got to because I got to be a fanboy for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the question. Uh, I, I'm not going to you know, give a specific number, no one, two, three, four, five, whatever. But it, what are characters that you fall in love with in uh, genres, whether it's your own mm. or in others, that you would love to have the opportunity to write in any medium? Mm. You know, I was so lucky. I mean, so lucky yeah. that I got to do that for all my favorite characters in comics. That's cool. I wrote The Punisher. That's right. I was obsessed with The Punisher yeah. growing up. Right. I got to write um, Wolverine. That's right. I got to write Batman for two years. Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. Right, and then right. I love Spider-Man. The, the, the anti-heroes had, first. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it's it. weird. Yeah. yeah. It's that. It's all about that Jungian shadow. Yes, me. right. But, you know, I love Spider-Man. Yeah. Who, and I had him swing through an yeah. issue of Moon Knight I wrote just yeah. so I could write him. Yeah. And so in comics, that was it. It was yeah. amazing, you know? And then there's other characters who mean a ton to me in literature. You know, yeah. Joe Christmas from Light in August. Oh, wow. Uh, for Shakespeare, it's Coriolanus. Wow. Um, I love Robert B. Parker, um, mm. who wrote the Spencer for Hire series mm. with Spencer and Hawk. Mm. Um, I'm going mm. back and rereading all those. Wow. In a lot of ways, what he was doing in the in those books for mysteries yeah, yeah, yeah. is a lot of, I didn't realize this till I was going back reading all the books, these things that are so obvious, sometimes yeah. we don't notice. It's a lot of what I'm trying to do in, a, in the thriller world, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is he, he brought, Spencer was one of the first uh, detectives who, he cooked. He had very like interesting, complicated, sophisticated, mm. nuanced relationships with women. Okay. Right. His girlfriend is Susan, who's a uh, psychologist, huh. and she's very, very bright. Mm. And he he was very um, it was a very different sort of version of of masculinity than we often saw from Dashiell Hammett or Raymond Chandler. He kind of brought that out into the world. And a lot of the themes that I play with with Orphan X is about mm-hmm. a character who's raised as a hardened assassin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but who I, I say he was raised, he was taken out of a foster home at the age of 12 mm-hmm. and just raised to be this expendable weapon mm-hmm, and killing machine. Mm-hmm. He was never taught the strange language of intimacy, Wow! but he wants to know what it is. And his mentor wow. figure who raised him from the age of 12, wow. who also loved him, told him the hard part isn't making you a killer. The hard part is keeping you human. Hmm. And so that series is about that. And as I go back now and read Robert B. Parker, it's so evident to me the wow. sort of impact that that had as I'm going back and re-examining that. Wow. Um, hmm. So yeah, I mean, characters are amazing. And characters yeah. are everything in, in writing for yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, you know, we never know 
People can't often name their favorite action sequence in James Bond. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows how he drinks his martinis, <laughs> right? That's right. We know character. That's right. That's what matters. What's interesting, um, part of what you shared, and you've shared it several times, is the importance of the reread, mm -hmm. going deeper. And so much of what our society is based off just consumption and breath and, mm -hmm. and the idea of going deeper, um, deeper in conversation, with a professor who might be more conservative than you are, uh, deeper by going back and rereading, mm. uh, revisiting The Great Gatsby every few years, and every few years getting a little bit something newer from it. Um, that's a lesson that's definitely lost in our mm. world, the idea of revisiting reflection. Uh, we, you know, Educators talk about the Kolb cycle, and the Kolb cycle is the moment where uh, you know, there's information that you get, but there's a moment in that cycle that you have to reflect on it. You have to have the moment to, mm -hmm. to pause, to depart from it, and to come back to it to, in order to have a, 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 a progress in their learning cycle, right? And so uh, it's beautiful. So I see that pattern, right? It wasn't the source of a, the, you know, the questions weren't designed to get you to say mm -hmm. that or anything like that. It was just an interesting pattern I noticed mm -hmm. in, the, in the answers. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, the yeah. romantic poets wrote about that a lot, yeah. right? With, you know, like Wordsworth, life is but a birth and a forgetting. Mm. Like the pattern of nature, the pat, you know, the transcendentalist, right? What's the most beautiful yeah. is in nature and is in us as yeah, children. Yeah, 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 Blake yeah, yeah. had songs of innocence, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Remember, little lamb who made these, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. it turns into songs of experience. Yeah. Tiger, tiger, burning yeah, bright, bright in the forest of the yeah. night. What a mortal hand or yeah. eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry. That's right. And so we have the innocent and then you go through the experience and then you try to revisit. Mm. It's not a naive innocence. Yeah. You try and revisit and get back to the place where you started in some wow. ways, carrying the weight of experience, carrying the weight of what you've learned about the world, all wow. the reasons you should be um, wow. you know, cynical, all the reasons you should be despairing and give up hope, yeah. right? All the slings and arrows that we suffer that make us armor over vulnerability. Mm. And so that path of going deeper and revisiting mm -hmm. in a lot of ways it's a process of trying to get back to the earliest parts of us, wow. I think, in a lot of ways. And, you know, that's what the Transcendental Poets wrote about. And I always read it in an abstract way that's in college, right, in high school. Oh, awesome. sure, I understand that yeah, theoretically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then as you start to get older, you realize mm -hmm. the best parts of me are, mm -hmm. are, are in some ways, you know, what I always was. Mm. And a lot of the survival mechanisms, mm. right, the things that got me through. Yeah right? Maybe don't serve me. Maybe I have to let go of it. Maybe I have to take I the wisdom it. of the world and get back to where I started right. from again, you know? And that is that, I think that is that process. That's awesome. Hmm. That was wonderful. Uh, moral at the end of the tale. Um, Greg, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. Uh, thank you for your spirit, uh, your story, and the stories hmm. woven in um, the frame tale, so to speak. Uh, appreciate you for moving learners to reflect back to their teachers back to their entrepreneurship moments, and ultimately to revisit the stories in their life, which is, I think, uh, the moral of the tale that I think uh, I would love to spend some time on and mm. think back on as well. Um, inspiration for young people, inspiration for those that listen to this, uh, the story, and certainly uh, for the teachers in your life that should you know, be proud of the journey that you're on. Mm. Uh, much love, thank you, and as we say on the Whole Student Podcast, class dismissed. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Love you. being here. Thank you. The Whole Student Podcast has been brought to you by Duncast. Produced by J.D. Scroggin, the Director of Marketing and Communication at the Dunn School and co-produced 
or Brandon Scott of Comfort Food. Thank you for joining us.